0: Hi there, and welcome everybody to Locked on Lakers, brought to you by SeatGeek. Remember, anyone listening to Locked on Lakers can use the code LO Lakers to get a $20 rebate on their first SeatGeek purchase. You can use SeatGeek to buy tickets to games, uh, all kinds of various, like right now, like it's baseball season, you can use it to buy tickets to Dodgers games, you can use it for the upcoming Lakers season, and just remember that code is LO Lakers, and you get a $20 rebate. And don't forget to find Locked On Lakers on Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, Audio Boom, Silver Screen and Roll. Please leave reviews. And again, I, I didn't introduce myself. This is Harrison Fagan. You can tell I'm used to doing these live reads. Normally, this is Anthony that brings us in, but I was fortunate enough to not be joined by him tonight. And joining me instead is Gary Kester, Silver Screen and Roll's newest contributor. How are you doing on this fine late evening, Gary?
1: Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good, knowing that uh, on this I know, on this podcast, there's not going to be any Anthony Irwin puns. So that's uh, that's always a plus.
0: Yeah, I've noticed. I, I don't think that we can say it's a coincidence anymore that the only podcast you show up on, Anthony, is not here. <laughs> so, I mean, you got. I think you guys have beef. Beef, basically.
1: That was that was uh, included in my contract that I didn't have to be on a podcast that Anthony was on. So you fought hard for that one. You fought hard. You <laughs> took what le- you took less money to get that clause. So I was okay. I was willing to sit out. I was going to go full Joey Bosa on that if I didn't get it. So <laughs> oh man,
0: that that one still hurts for the probably like I don't know like one Charger fan that listens to this podcast. It can't be that many. Uh. <laughs> okay so uh, we'll get right we'll get right into things it's the off season so there's not a lot going on but no no wait hold on don't close the podcast we still have some things to talk about (laughs) and so one of the kind of a few little gifts of something to talk about that we got today was the NBA's rookie votes coming out and so no not the rookie of the year votes but every year at rookie media day they take their promotional trading card pictures all that good stuff that's where all the super dramatic black and white shots of Brandon Ingram and Avitza Zubac that I was tweeting out a couple weeks ago came from Uh, they just took like a bunch of really dramatic pictures but but anyway all promo stuff but the NBA polls all these rookies on who they think are the most likely for certain honors or just various kind of intangible or tangible things and Ingram got a lot of love did you kind of see the, those votes breaking down Gary?
1: Yeah yeah I saw you know a few different categories that Ingram was very very high in and uh, it's I mean it's it's nice to see that his his peers you know kind of recognize his game and his abilities and and kind of notice the the potential that he has.
0: Yeah, so for those of you that missed the vote, kind of the big two ones that Ingram got was he got, uh, he was voted as the most likely to have the best career, which I thought was interesting because he was taken second overall, but we'll get into that in a second. And then he was also voted as second most likely to win rookie of the year behind Chris Dunn, which is a kind of a weird choice and makes me, question a little bit of what the rookies are looking at but you know chris dunn did have a really good summer league so i don't know maybe he ends up playing over ricky rubio this year that doesn't seem particularly likely but uh yeah that's the way the rookies voted and gary i I guess the one my big takeaway when i was looking at these votes was that while there's a lot of love for brandon ingram there wasn't a whole lot for ben simmons it, who was the first overall pick. He was voted fourth most likely, to, I think, to win rookie of the year. And I, I don't know how high he came on the overall best career chart. But do, do you have any thoughts on maybe why that might be?
1: Well, I mean, I think it probably comes comes back to the whole jump shot thing with with Ben Simmons. You know, and I think and especially in today's NBA, I mean, if you're not able to knock down jump shots I feel like you can only go so far. You know that's such a huge aspect in the way the game is played today. And you know, if this was ten years ago, I mean, it would probably be looked at completely differently. But you know, you're looking at an NBA now that utilizes positionless basketball, so to speak. And you know, I mean, the versatility is is really good and, and things like that. And his skill set's awesome. But, but yeah, I mean, if you can't shoot, it's like you can only go so far without that skill set.
0: I, I thought it was funny that we got a comment from someone saying, can these rookies vote instead of the biased media that always hates the Lakers? <laughs> because, <laughs> uh, because, you know, Brandon Ingram, he, he got a lot of love there. But I, I think also part of what, Ben Simmons, you know, might have been working against him a little bit is kind of a lack of familiarity. These guys have a lot more experience, I think, playing against Brandon Ingram and playing against Chris Dunn and things like that, more more so than Ben Simmons. And I think it was Matt Moore actually had a piece kind of examining who these guys have looked at here. He kind of pointed out that the rookies haven't exactly been the most Uh, accurate measure for like the most accurate predictor over the last couple of years for these awards. So I I would caution any Lakers fans getting too carried away with the way that this vote kind of worked out. But it was kind of cool to see that the rest that his fellow rookies appreciate Ingram and kind of what he brings to the table. And uh, you know, I think that part of when they're when you're talking about best career, I think they also might have been. You know, maybe they think that he's go- Ingram's eventually going to have more two way value because mm-hmm. Ben Simmons hasn't exactly you know made a name for himself on defense yet and like he the potentials there maybe he'll be a better defender in the nba at some point when he really sets his mind to it but as of right now that just isn't something that's really happened yet
1: yeah no i mean and when we saw ingram in person he's just i mean he's just kind of a spectacle you know like he's it's pretty crazy to see somebody with that height and that that athletic ability with that length. I mean, it's, it's pretty crazy to see in person. And I think, you know, you just imagine what it's like to go up against that, especially when he's guarding you defensively and you get, you know, a step or two on him and he can still block your shot and, and things like that. And, you know, uh, offensively, I mean, it's going to be tough for for defenders to kind of handle that because they could stay in front of him, they could, you know, limit dribble penetration, but he just has that length where he can just shoot over you um, and things like that. I mean, just the physical attributes that he has are going to feed into his, I mean, his overall skill set in the NBA, and it's just only going to continue to get better and better, and, you know, it's going to be more difficult for opponents to deal with.
0: Yeah. And, and you know, those weren't the only categories that he got some votes in, but those were kind of the two big ones, as I said before, but I'm scrolling through here right now. He also received votes in, where was that list? Sorry, this, uh, you could tell that we're super well prepared for this. <laughs> uh, uh, he also got votes for best shooter, best defender, best playmaker that that one's actually kind of interesting he does have playmaking potential but that's not something he showed a ton of so that is interesting that he got votes for that i would assume you're not allowed to vote for yourself so uh (laughs) and he also got votes for you're not allowed to vote for yourself but he also (laughs) got votes for which rookie is the funniest and that kind of leads us into our next thing Where, uh, you know, Avica Zubots, he got... He finished in a tie for fourth for the final award. And part of the reason why is the stuff that we saw at Summer League where he talked about he felt like he had died a little bit when he got dunked on (laughs) and was told that his Wikipedia page was changed to say that he had died. And, you know, you could just tell in his press conferences and in all of his interactions with the media so far that he's just a witty kid. And he definitely, like... He he's funny. All of his teammates seem to like him. And another, you know, that was on display again. Uh, so you guys will be listening to this on Wednesday. Uh, that was on display again on Monday night when <laughs> Zubats continued his thread of tweets trying to figure out with NBA Two K what his rating's going to be. <laughs> and and I, I, you know, I'll be honest. I didn't notice when he sent the first one. It was about five or six days ago now, and he sent the first one to Ra uh, to. Ronnie Two K, I forgot what his last name is, so forgive me if you're a podcast listener. But uh, one of the to, one of Two K's social media guys asking if he could figure he, you know, he saw his Lakers teammates getting their rating, and he asked if he could get his rating. And then about five days later, he sends another tweet and says, "I'm not even in the game, am I?" <laughs> and then he followed that one up with two uh, two hours later with a tweet to D'Angelo Russell that just said, "Help." <laughs> And it was it, like, I mean, that was great, right? Like that was, as far as Lakers offseason stuff goes, that was like the best you can ask for.
1: This is, I think that's, I mean, that's a huge part of why he's such a fan favorite already. Cause I mean, he's, he's 19 years old and I mean, you, it, it shows, you know, it shows he's, he's like, you know, he's still a teenager. He's almost like a little kid at heart still. And he has so much fun with it. and uh, He's just such a, you know, that makes him so likable. Um and you know, to me he kinda reminds me, especially in this scenario, of, of just kinda like a like a long lost puppy that is just is trying to kind of find his way. Um but it, no it, I,
0: it was, I mean, like, it was like, it was like, it felt like when you saw that last tweet, it felt like seeing a puppy that just like, lo- <laughs> like, was just really sad because it felt like it had done something wrong. Like, that's the exact, <laughs> that's the exact like emotions that it, you have like Mike Trudell jumping in and asking the 2K guys to help him out and send him his rating. And like, <laughs> Lakers fans were rioting. And it just goes to show like, this guy is a fan favorite before he's even played a real game for the team.
1: The Lakers always have to have a center that is just a fan favorite, whether he plays or not. He just he's always got to be a fan favorite. And uh, I mean, Zubas is going to be, gosh, man, he's going to have so many fans, uh, especially playing for the Lakers. You know, especially you know because he grew up a Laker fan, and now everybody obviously knows that from his draft night interview. But I mean, how can you not like this kid? Like he's just he's just so much fun.
0: My my thing is, is like, maybe they're waiting for media day, but how has he not taken a picture with his Kobe Pow and Metaworld and Bynum jerseys, <laughs> like just laid out and just like, hit, like, like holding them up or something. Like he really used to like, we, we got to verify that like that. That's a, I feel like that's a gold media photo. Day. That's a gold media day photo right there.
1: Yeah. Forget the uh, time Warner cable promos. Like let's get that picture instead.
0: Oh man, Zubats—they—they they need to have him read all the promos this year. <laughs> like, oh, are man. they going to be? A, they're going to have—they had last year. They had all those promos where they just had the really serious music and like the black, like it was in a dark room and guys dribbling. And I feel like Zubats isn't like they aren't going to be able to get him to keep a straight face for for long enough to do that.
1: <laughs> they're going to have to really, really slow it down, like frame yeah. by frame, just to get it to last long enough.
0: <laughs> Like cut different cut different videos together where the guy <laughs> But yeah, so anyway, I mean as far as his two K rating, I, I don't know what it's gonna be, but the whole kind of escapade was really entertaining. And again, it's August, and you should go look it up. I, I wrote I wrote up kind of his tweets on the site. They're up there on Silver Screen and Roll, and that was just kind of a fun thing. And 2K has kind of been the main quote-unquote news over the last couple of days. And today, and on Tuesday, we got even more ratings. We already knew De- where D'Angelo Russell was, where Jordan Clarkson was, where Larry Nance Jr. and Julius Randle were. But today, a couple more leaked. We got to see Lou Williams and Timothy Mozgov and Brandon Ingram and Lou Aldang. And it, uh, it's official now. What we had kind of guessed at was that Russell is the highest-rated Laker in 2K. And so I was going to ask you, Gary, if you kind of agree with that, do you think that he's going to be the best Laker? Do you think that they got it right?
1: Yeah, just looking at the at the rankings and and the ratings, it was uh, I mean it was about what I expected to be honest. You know, it wasn't, you know, you didn't have any any ratings that were like super high or anything, but everything was pretty balanced. You know, when you I think when when I saw it earlier today, I mean it went seventy nine, and seventy eight, and seventy seven, 77 and 76, so on and so forth, and you know that's kind of how I see the Lakers this year. Is you know obviously they're lacking the star power, but I think Russell and you know, I mean, guys like Luol Dang and Jordan Clarkson, you know, are probably going to be the best players on the team. But uh, you never know how how the season's going to shake out. But um, just going off of kind of just like a gut feeling kind of thing, I think that's that's probably an accurate representation. But there's not much separation from player to player as you go down the roster. It's going to be, I think, a pretty balanced attack for most of the year.
0: Yeah, I, I think I'd agree with that. The one that I thought was interesting was that Brandon Ingram was tied for second with Luol Deng. Mm-hmm. And maybe by the end of the year, I could see him kind of being up there. But as far as the start of the year, I, I thought I did think it was interesting that they were and again, it's only by a point and it's a video game. And so if you're actually if anyone out there is actually mad about this, you should probably <laughs> Reevaluate how you're spending <laughs> your time, maybe a little bit, other than listening to this podcast. That was a great use of your time.
1: But, I was going to say send your uh, hate tweets to at HM Fagan. Yeah, <laughs>
0: send all hate tweets to at Anthony Irwin LA. <laughs> that is. <laughs> Uh, no, but I, so, I mean, it's only by a point, but I did think that it was interesting that they rated Ingram so highly, I, I guess I w- I would guess part of that is like the marketability factor, right? He was just the second overall pick. They didn't want to put him too far down the list of guys, but I think that, I mean, I agreed with our Lakers rank that I think there are going to be several players better than him this year that help the Lakers out more.
1: Yeah. It's, I mean. You know, I think naturally, I mean, because Brandon Ingram, he still hasn't turned 19 yet, I don't think. I think he's going to here in the next, like –
0: Yeah, I think so. pretty soon, yeah.
1: Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to expect, you know, an 18-, 19-year-old kid to, to come out and contribute right away and be one of the team's best players when, you know, you've got obviously a little more experience. Even with a guy like D'Angelo Russell, you know, I mean, one year in the NBA makes a huge difference. So – you know, and, and for Ingram, you know, he could struggle right away. He could, you know, play really well out of the gates. You never really know, but yeah, I think it's kind of wise to be more cautious and, you know, Uh, just kind of expect some of those growing pains early on because he's so young and his body is still developing and you know he's going to have to adjust to the speed of the game the physicality of it and all those things and and playing with a new group of teammates too I mean there's just a lot that factors in you know he's probably going to start out kind of slow but that's okay I mean that's that's what you kind of expect with rookies and you just kind of hope that naturally they just get better as the season progresses.
0: And that's also part of the reason why the way that they, the rookies voted for rookie of the year was kind of interesting to me because I think we we talked about Dunn not necessarily getting the opportunity to win that award playing behind Rubio, but uh, Ingram at least initially looks like he's going to kind of face that same obstacle with Dang playing in front of him potentially because as of right now I would imagine that Dang will be in the line of the starting lineup at the three and Ingram will be coming off the bench unless the Lakers decide to start him with at the two which is something that we've kind of discussed I think before but either way I mean it's hard to see him being one of the main options on offense at least right out of the gate.
1: And I think that was that was probably um... You know the the makers of two K. Uh, their their rationale behind it was, um, I noticed with uh, D'Angelo Russell kind of showing, you know, him and Carl Anthony Towns were about to play a game, and and it shows kind of like the projected starting lineup, and it actually had Ingram in there in there in there, excuse me, at the small forward with Dang it at the four, oh, so. Okay. Um, you know, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how Luke Walton kind of allocates those minutes because the Lakers do have a lot of front court players and, you know, you've got some like Lou Alding that can play the three, that can play the four. You've got some that can play the four and the five. Um, so there's a lot of different combinations that you can use there. And I think Ingram will get plenty of minutes, but yeah, I wouldn't expect him necessarily to start right away. I would imagine that would be Julius Randle at the four and Dang at the three, Um, but yeah, there's a lot of combos there he's going to get a lot of playing time. So, I mean, you know, it's a little different last year, you know, where we wanted Russell to start right away. And, um, but this year I think there's, you know, there's a lot of, uh, ways, ways that you can kind of make, you know, you can reason with, with Lakers fans that, you know, are actually realistic this time.
0: Yeah, like last year, that that's the thing that people have uh, I've I've debated with people about before. They're like, "Oh, but last year you wanted Russell to start right off the bat and play thirty minutes a night, and okay, and that wasn't necessarily true." But I did I did think that he should start off of like right off the bat. And the biggest difference between this year and last year is that this year there's actually like. NBA talent in front of hmm. Brandon Ingram, whereas last year with Russell, it's like what you were going to start, uh, you know, Marcelo Huertes at the at point guard and play him, <laughs> uh, play him over him. But, uh, you know, Fuertes is a nice guy. He's uh, he's had a, like nice international career, but come on, that was not worth it. Uh, the, the, what are you going to do? Start Lou Williams? Oh no, wait, Byron did that. So, <laughs> uh, well, one for two? But yeah so uh, that that's kind of the biggest difference I think with this year is that dang is he he might he might be the best player on the Lakers this year there, mm-hmm. there's at least that chance. and so he play he happens to play the same position a lot of the time as Ingram, and so that would be why Ingram would be brought in a little bit more slowly. and to me, D'Angelo Russell just seemed more nBA ready than Ingram did.
1: Yeah. I think when, when Russell was given the the opportunities, I mean, obviously, you know, he made his mistakes, you know, he had some turnovers and stuff like that. And naturally that happens, you know, with like, like we said, with rookies, those are the growing pains, but I think, yeah, he just got better. It seemed like he got better every time he just got out on the court and he was able to be out there long enough to really get a rhythm and kind of get a feel for the game and, and really just build off of the, you know, momentum from, from play to play and possession to possession. So, um, but yeah, I think Russell was a little a little more NBA ready. And I think um I mean having I guess having Kobe probably kind of helped him in certain aspects. Um, which hopefully, you know, Dang kind of provides that that mentorship role for for Ingram and kind of helps him come along. But yeah, and Russell was probably up close to, I mean, at least probably six, seven months older, you know, if not, you know, close to a year, you know. Um, like we said with Ingram being eighteen still you know he's insanely young for someone that's playing professional basketball, so yeah, there's a number of factors there, but i I agree I think Russell was probably a little more nBA ready than than Ingram, but hey, you never know,
0: yeah, and so kind kind of tied for third in those little rankings, and we're just kind of using this as an as an avenue to talk about the team, I guess right now, but you have coming out today. Uh, your Jordan Clarkson piece for hashtag Lakers rank because he ended up as the third-ranked Laker. And before the show, we had kind of talked a little bit, and I wanted to hear a little bit, uh, just kind of give us a preview of that piece. And you were talking about how you thought that he might be better utilized in the offense this year a couple specific ways.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, one thing I think we we forget a lot uh, last year was that Clarkson, I mean, played a lot of his minutes at point guard you know, he started a lot of games at point guard and, you know, had to share a court and a basketball with Lou Williams and Kobe Bryant at the same time. So I think naturally, you know, that kind of took away from, I don't want to say it took away. I mean, I guess it took away from his production, but I think it kind of hurt his efficiency as well. I think there were less opportunities for him uh, to really kind of do his thing that we saw his, his rookie year. Cause his rookie year, you got to remember, I mean, Kobe went out relatively early on in the year and Clarkson kind of started this more so like the second half of the year. So, you know, it was a completely different situation this last year. And from a numbers standpoint, his production didn't really drop at all, which was, you know, I guess in a way it was encouraging because defenses kind of knew who he was now. You know, teams could scout him. They had film on him and, and could prepare for him as opposed to his rookie year where he just, you know, was this unknown kid that came out of nowhere. But at the same time, you'd obviously like to see the numbers improve, you know, with, with experience. But, um, you know, I think last year was just it wasn't an ideal situation. I think this year, I think he's going to play a lot more minutes at the two with Russell at the one and, and, and Calderon and Huertas as well. And I think he can really feed off of those guys. And if he can improve his three-point shooting, um, I just think he's really going to flourish in this, in this system and could have a really, really good year.
0: Yeah, I, the the shooting is just like we it's an overused trope now to talk about guys and their need to improve shooting. But in Clarkson's case, it's absolutely true. Like that. That's the biggest thing for him. Him developing a league average or better three point shot is kind of it really changes his ceiling by a couple levels. You know, mm-hmm. if, if depending on how good eventually that shot gets, he can be a good player without it, but he can be a really, really good player with it.
1: Right, and he, he did improve last year by about three percentage points, which is nice he got up to uh, I believe thirty four percent from the three point line which is which is pretty good um, obviously hey, you, you want to be see
0: better that. than that to start the year before he had that ankle issue
1: oh yeah he started out the year red hot and mm-hmm. it was really encouraging. Um, so you, you kind of hope that, and you know how hard he's worked this off season, you know, he's really kind of transformed his body as well and, and, you know, really prepared well for this season. So you hope that that translate, but, or translates, but, um, yeah, you just want to see the shooting kind of closer up up there towards like about 40% because that's a really good percentage to have and that could really help uh, help the Lakers offense with him kind of out on the wing as, as, as well as guys like Lu Waldang and, and Brandon Ingram guys that can really shoot the three um, obviously you know you kind of have to see how it all unfolds but I just think with this this situation uh, I just think he's really going to be better suited for um, really kind of what Luke Walton's going to going to run as com, you know compared to last season where it was just such heavy isolation sets and and it's just not the best way to utilize a guy like that.
0: Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how much he transforms his game and how much the system kind of transforms and that he, how much effectiveness he's able to have in that transformed system.
1: And the up-tempo game, too, could really help him as, you know, somebody that's such a great athlete. You know, if the Lakers just get out and run as many opportunities as they can. And I think a big thing for him, too, is hopefully, you know, Walton is a guy that's actually going to teach him some defensive technique as opposed to just yelling at him to man up on that end um, because he's got the athletic ability, I think. Who
0: would just who would, who would would just yell at him to man up? That, seems, <laughs> that doesn't seem like it would be a good strategy to improve someone's defense.
1: I, I mean, I, it worked for it worked for some other guys in the past. I mean, it should have worked for them, right?
0: Yeah, I guess back in the '80s when players were less soft. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that's that. That's enough shade throwing to kind of end uh, end Clarkson. <laughs> but the the other kind of news around the Lakers, other than two K ratings and rookie voting, was uh, no. We they actually had there was some actual roster news. And the Lakers, they announced that they had officially signed Zach August, who uh, I think most anyone that listens to this podcast is diehard hard enough that they watch Summer League. They remember August and it, good energy, big. He And so he'll be the 16th guy on the roster. And then it was reported by the vertical. I think it was Shams Karania, right? Mm hmm. Yeah. Repo- yeah, they reported that the Lakers had reached a camp deal with Travis Weir. Or no, that might have been Woj. I don't know. I I apologize, guys. You you the 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 vert- It was someone at the vertical. It was the vertical.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was the
0: vertical. <laughs> and so they signed the Lakers signed Travis Weir to a training camp invite. And so Gary, in five minutes or less, give us your scouting report on Travis Weir.
1: Well, as a as a North Carolina fan, I got to see him very briefly. Uh, I don't remember if he played one or two years uh, with North Carolina. My memory doesn't go back too far for some reason. But um, no, I mean he was just kind of
0: he played for UCLA, dude. I was messing with you.
1: Okay, you played for both. Come on now. You no, played. Uh, oh, we
0: played for. All right. Well, that's more than I knew about Travis. We are. Right, you really got the. You got the. Yeah. Scouting so, report. Okay, you were taking this seriously. I was totally messing with you. But go ahead. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, no. He he started with North Carolina. I can't. Like I said, I can't remember if he played one or two years there. Um. Him and him and his twin brother. Um. And then they transferred to UCLA, I guess, to be closer to home or something like that. Which
0: yeah, their local mixed. products. I believe they went to the Modern Day out here in Southern California. Yeah,
1: so I mean, that's obviously a lot closer than than Chapel Hill, North Carolina. But yeah. um, from from what I I mean, from what I gathered when he played at North Carolina, I mean, he was a high energy big man that you know really crashed the glass and um, just really played hard. You know, he played really hard and. And, um, you know, I was kind of sad to see him and his brother both both go because, um, you know, that hurt North Carolina's depth at the time. But, um, you know, I haven't really followed him the last couple of years. Uh, just naturally, as a North Carolina fan, once they left, you know, it was kind of just focused on the current players. But from what I remember, yeah, I was just kind of a high-energy big guy and, you know, just played really, really hard.
0: Yeah. Now, all that being said, I I would say that his chances to make the team are probably pretty low, right? Yeah, I think you'd agree with me there.
1: Yeah, considering the Lakers have like 300 front court players on the roster right now, it's going to be really yeah, tough for him.
0: I think that's a solid estimate. Not <laughs> but no, seriously. So I- until they waive Nick Young, which I'm convinced this probably actually that might even happen today. Because mm-hmm. I believe August 31st was the first day that they could waive him. It's either August 31st or September 1st mm-hmm. are the, is the first day that they can waive him and they can stre- just stretch out the last year of the deal. Like waive him at cost for this year and then stretch out the last year of the deal so that it, it reduces the amount of time they have dead money on their cap. Yeah. and. So I would I would imagine that that stretch provisioning is coming soon. But if it doesn't, then the Lakers have 16 guys on a 15-man roster with August and his guaranteed money. And Weir just has kind of a training camp invite. So I think he would face kind of an uphill battle to make the roster, as will anyone that gets invited to come to the Lakers camp. But I guess I did want to ask you – if there's anyone with kind of their remaining spots, so that's seven, that's 17 guys, including Weir, and with the those 17 guys, they have three remaining spots. You can have 20 guys in training camp, I believe. And is there anyone that you'd like to see them extend an invite to?
1: Um, I mean, there's a couple guys. Uh, obviously, I think they need to go with somebody in the backcourt. Probably, I mean, since they probably have, I mean, they have three point guards on the roster with Russell. Huertas and Calderon, you know, we are probably looking at, you know, a guy that can play the two and the three or maybe even just the two, you know, because if Nick Young is, uh, you know, if his contract is stretched and he's waived, um, you know, that creates another another spot that, that needs to be filled. Um, I don't know the latest, you know, on all these guys if they've already received invites or whatnot, but uh, just looking at this list here, maybe a guy like PJ Hairston who's still only 23 years old, uh, pretty good shooter, and of course he's he's a former North Carolina Tar Heel, but um, <laughs> good, he's a good shooter. Uh, defensively, probably still has a ways to go, but um, you know, just could be a, a nice bench piece. You know, that can kind of space the floor, and and I think his shooting would be really nice to have alongside you know, the, the, the guards already on the, on the roster. but And then another guy that I'm, I'm looking at right now and is And he Jordan. actually,
0: just to cut you off really quick, he, he actually did work out with the Lakers during their little free agent minicamp that Xavier Henry was kind of most famously a part of. But yeah. he, he is, Henry ended up signing with the Bucks, so congrats to uh, Xavier. And uh, And PJ Harrison was a part of that. So they actually did get a look at him recently.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, that, that was awesome for for Xavier. I think, you know, after rupturing his Achilles to to get an invite and kind of work his way back. I think that's yeah, that's awesome. Um you know, a couple other guys that I'm looking at at the list right now like Jordan Hamilton, uh another pretty young young player uh that can play out on the wing. Uh, he's only 25. But if they want like a veteran guard, um a guy that I'm looking at that still still says he's available is Gary Neal. Uh he's uh, you know, obviously played for the Spurs and got, you know, some championship experience and, and, you know, it's kind of bounced around the league a little bit, but, you know, it's another guy that can, they can really shoot the three and, you know, has, has been in the league a long time and can provide some, uh, some veteran leadership alongside, you know, guys like Clarkson and Russell.
0: Yeah. So I th- I think that those are all like interesting kind of well thought out options and that kind of stands in stark contrast to the options that I normally get suggested to me when I write about the Lakers extending an invite to a guy or signing a new player or that they have a couple roster spots left. And it's like, hey, this is what uh, this is what fans are going to do. Everybody wants to get the best players for their team. And so it totally makes sense. But I think that sometimes what gets overlooked is kind of the baggage that comes with those players. So a lot of the names that get thrown kind of towards us when we talk about these things are Lance Stevenson or Josh Smith or or Larry Sanders, like the big name guys that have some baggage, but that I think every I think fans of all 30 teams this isn't just a thing that's exclusive to lakers fans i think think their team is the one that can get them to get get that guy to get their act together and reach their full potential and so i mean i wanted to talk with you about your thoughts on this a little bit but my thing with those guys is yeah they have talent but like like i said with the baggage with them and i'm just not sure that you want to bring a guy like that into a locker room of a rebuilding team
1: yeah, no, I think, you know, and that's going to be a huge factor. And I think why Nick Young is kind of let go is just, you know, you kind of have to look at the human element of it, you know, and not just from a talent standpoint. Obviously, you know, I think fans are kind of trained to look at at, at talent first and kind of personality or, you know, character second. Um, especially when you're when you're a team like the Lakers that won seventeen games last year, I think a lot of people put a ton of value in just adding talent and kind of figuring out the rest later. But um, you know, when you look at the guys that the Lakers went out and signed this this summer, I mean, like a Tim Faye Moscow, like a Lou Aldang, especially, uh, or, you know, traded for for Calderon, they're they're veteran players. But they're high character veteran players, guys that, you know, coaches really like and their teammates really like and um, could be, you know, just good, good veteran leaders around the young core that the Lakers have built and guys that you want in your locker room. And, um, you you know, some of the guys that you mentioned, you know, that's just that's just not who they are necessarily obviously there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes that we don't know about but you know it's it's pretty widely known with some of those guys that that's just kind of not the the type of personality that you want in your locker room
0: yeah and that's not even to say I'm you're not saying this I'm not saying this I, I don't think that they're bad people necessarily i just think that they're a little bit mercurial they're a little bit kind of out there in terms of like josh smith is basically out of the league because he can't shoot threes but he really likes to shoot threes and (laughs) uh, and lance stevenson is out of the league for like like similar reason it just like kind of a lack of control a little bit on the court and it's just it's like you talked about guys that coaches really like to play, those are the types of guys that a lot of coaches don't really like to play because they're wild cards. You don't know what you're going to get from them. You might get something really, really good and better than kind of the dependable option, but you also might get something that kind of kills your team and puts you out of the game.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's just guys that, you know, coaches have such a hard time Keeping under control, because their their play can be so erratic sometimes, and and their decision making can just be all over the place, and and uh, you know it's just yeah, I mean it's it's about especially with the the young players that the Lakers have, you want to teach them good habits, you know, and, and good good things to do on the court and things that they should avoid, and you know like I I don't know I don't think you want Julius Randle becoming a guy that just comes down and hoist up threes like Josh Smith would, when that's just not his game, at least not yet. You know, hopefully he can get to that point where he's a capable three point shooter, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's, you know, that, I mean, that's just kind of an example that comes to mind uh, and just how you don't want guys to kind of learn uh, how, how to play. So.
0: Yeah, I, I would a hundred percent agree. And if you bring those guys in, all of a sudden they're the veteran voices in the locker room. They're because they're like these guys, like the Lakers younger players. They watch them on TV growing up. Of course, they're going to want to pick that guy's brain a little bit. Mm. And it's just a matter of. Kind of making sure that that's not something that's going to happen. If, even if those guys might be a little, are not even might be those guys are better than kind of the your normal standard training camp invite. Those guy, those guys are really good basketball players. It's just a matter of is that the type of locker room you want to be building. And like it, especially Larry Sanders, I don't, I don't think Larry Sanders is a bad influence at all personally. Like I, I respect him a lot for how outspoken he's been mm-hmm. about mental health issues and things like and just not putting himself in an unhealthy situation uh, just to be able to play basketball. And I I just also don't know if that's exactly the type like some, uh, like a distraction quote unquote, and that sounds really coach speak, but if that's what you want to bring into your locker
1: room. Yeah, no. And I mean, I guess one way to kind of look at it, you know, and it's not, this isn't the entire picture or anything. It's not so cut and dry, but with guys like Stevenson and guys like Josh Smith there's kind of a reason that they're still available, you know. I yeah. Mean, there's there's a reason why 30 teams are just saying, you know, we don't want these guys on our team. And you know, there's I mean, like I said, that's not the entire picture. There's a lot that goes into that, but you know, I mean, that's that's one way that you can kind of look at it that, you know, teams aren't really lining up for for their talents, you know.
0: And these NBA teams know a lot more than we do. That's mm-hmm. uh, that's definitely for especially about behind the scenes stuff.
1: Yeah. Exactly.
0: Okay. So I think that about wraps it up for an August podcast because we've hit pie in the sky on the free agent options. We've hit, uh, we've hit 2k ratings and we've talked about Twitter and rookies voting for each other for awards that won't be decided for another several months. So I think, yeah, I think we hit the August grand slam. I think we got
1: it. Yeah. I mean, Oh, we
0: didn't talk about anybody bulking up yet. So is there there anyone that you've seen on social media, any Lakers players that look like they put on 20 pounds of muscle?
1: Jordan Clarkson.
0: (laughs) Yeah, actually that's true. He does look like he's kind of put on quite a bit. So there there you go. We've hit who looks buffer and all of that other (laughs) stuff that I just mentioned. So Gary, thank you very much for joining me today. Uh, It's always fun to chat Lakers basketball with you and have you on.
1: Oh yeah! Thank, thank you for bringing me on. It's it's, it's always a pleasure.
0: Okay, so the. the... Thanks again to Gary. This was the Locked On Lakers podcast brought to you by SeatGeek. Remember to use the code Lakers for a $20 rebate on your first ticket purchase from SeatGeek. And don't forget to subscribe to the pod if you liked what you heard today on Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, Audio Boom, and Silver Screen and Roll. And please leave us reviews. We love to get your feedback, especially if it's good. And uh, thank you for listening, and we will catch up with you guys on Friday.